Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful. There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth generation family run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process to help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. Tired of waiting for ownership decisions to happen? Frustrated with promises broken? Enter Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions, or IVMS. IVMS's goal is to grow privately held, profitable, unique hospitals across Canada, allowing you, the veterinarian, to focus on medicine and not the practice nuances. They handle accounting, bookkeeping, marketing, advertising, human resources, and so much more. The plan is easy as one, two, three. First, you come work joining the leadership team for a year to learn the systems and processes, ensuring the fit is right for everyone. Second, you enter into a 50-50 partnership to launch your hospital. Again, you help drive where you go. Three, work together, launch, and scale your hospital. Questions? Head to the link in the show notes for more information, how to connect, and see if this is the right opportunity you've been waiting for. Check out Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. Hint, they're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. Hey, drama. Yes, we do too. That's why it doesn't exist here. It's the only core value that is non-negotiable. Culture is key at Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital located in Vancouver, British Columbia, an outdoors person's paradise. Privately owned, fear-free certified practice, the only fear-free practice in Vancouver. No catches, no hidden terms, no negative accrual, no non-compete, and fully transparent. So what do we expect? Sense of humor? We love to laugh, tell jokes, and banter. Be adaptable? Strong team-oriented personality drive and willingness to excel. What should you expect? you love snacks? Who doesn't? We have a staff room filled with a variety of snacks. We've got you covered. How about coffee or tea? We have you covered. Enjoy a two-month schedule made in advance so you can actually plan your life. No nights or Sundays guaranteed. Salary up to $170,000, including 20 to 25% commission. Visa sponsorship considered, as well as opportunities for ownership. So apply today for Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital. Link in the show notes. Why do most banks always seem to be impersonal? slow to answer questions, or give you the runaround on getting money needed for your dreams. Enter Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial, a nationwide digital bank built for doctors by doctors. Whether you're a veterinarian in training, practice owner, or aspire to be one someday, 
Panacea Financial is designed specifically for you. It was started by two doctors who were frustrated in working with banks and so started their own to serve their community. With common sense lending guidelines and fast decisioning, they've helped doctors all across the country start, grow, and acquire their dream practice. Looking to buy into a practice, Panacea helps doctors with practice buy-in loans that are funded in a matter of days, not weeks or months. If you're ready to join the thousands of doctors nationwide who have declared independence from traditional banks, visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to see how they can get you started with your dreams. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. All right. Today, I am joined by a familiar face and voice, and that is Dr. Meredith Jones. She is the founder of the Veterinary Financial Summit, the debt-free Facebook group for veterinarians, and recently, excitingly, started a new role that we'll get into here in a second. But Meredith, great to have you back, and thanks for spending some time with me. Thanks. Great to be back. So the worst kept secret, because I think I've told some people. So what is the new role? And let's kind of start there, and then we'll kind of build around that. Sure. So I just recently started working as an associate financial planner with Vincere Wealth Management. And so Isaiah, of course, you know from other conversations we've had that I became a really big money nerd while I was paying off my student debt. And over the past several years, I've been involved with a bunch of different financial projects. You already mentioned the Debt-Free Vets Group, the Veterinary Financial Summit. I've had the opportunity to speak at various conferences and co-host the Veterinary Financial Podcast, which you've been a guest on. And in my most recent position, prior to starting with Vincere, I worked in a hybrid role where I worked as an ER doctor on the floor part of the time and also developed financial wellness programs for the company I was working with. And I was doing some internal speaking and external speaking, doing student debt consults and financial coaching for doctors and support staff there. And to meet with someone with a financial question or a concern and to be able to help them with it, I found it to be incredibly rewarding and I really enjoyed it. One of the challenges that I encountered pretty frequently is we would often hit a point in the conversation where they would ask a question I couldn't answer because if I did, it would have crossed the line into giving financial advice. And I would have to say, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a financial planner. And I felt like I was kind of running into a wall from that standpoint and wanted to be able to help my colleagues in a more comprehensive way. And as you know, the financial wellness program was discontinued. And so I was at a crossroads and deciding what I wanted the next chapter of my career to look like. And I decided to take this opportunity to grow professionally and help the veterinary profession in a different way that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. And for listeners, I think everyone knows that now Meredith and I will get to work together, which is great. But the part she's leaving out is me pestering her for years to come work um, together <laughs> somehow and find a way. So that's the fun part of what's happened. But yeah, that's extremely exciting. And I think it's cool to see now, like on the team, you have Ryan Koopmans, who's also a veterinarian. You have yourself, Meredith. I'm the one now that doesn't have the DVM. So I'm like the one that's kind of left out of the cool kids group. But when you think about just the experience that you've had of working ER, working in private practice, corporate settings, how do you think just the ability to relate and understand challenges and issues with your peers versus like, let's say even me or someone that's a, hey, I work with veterinarians, but I've never actually sat in your 
shoes or sat in the chair to like do the role that you do. Like, how do you think the advice and guidance can be a little bit different? Because I do think there is, you know, some elements that can't be replicated by someone that's not a DVM. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm a career ER doctor. So I've worked as an ER doctor for about 12 years past my internship. I worked overnights for about eight or nine years, at least as part of a rotation. And so certainly that's a longer time frame than the average ER doctor. And I've also worked in the GP setting. I've worked a little bit in the shelter setting as well. And certainly for veterinarians out there today, there's an incredible opportunity out there, but it's also a really high stress job. It's also a really high pressure job. And I know what it's like to work in practice and deal with life and death situations. And so I can relate to vets as clients differently from that perspective. I also know what it's like to have six-figure student debt and what the weight of that debt feels like. And the sort of shock moment that happens when you realize you're going to actually have to start paying it off. And uh, for a lot of the recent grads, that hasn't happened just yet. Uh, sure. Actually, past three years, that hasn't happened yet. And I can use those shared experiences to make the information and the recommendations I give more relatable and more approachable. And I was thinking about it, and there are actually a lot of similarities between how financial planners work with clients and how vets work with clients. We're all working through cases. So vets are working with medical cases. Financial planners are working with financial cases. We take a history. We start with asking a series of questions. In ER specialty, in that setting, we're often asking clients what their goals are, especially if they have an older pet, you know, what their, what's their intention. And the client's answers can help us come up with options that are tailored for that client. And what we do in the financial space is similar from that perspective as well. We both do information gathering. So in medicine, that's the physical exam and the diagnostics. In financial planning, it's getting more details about their financial lives. And then in medicine, we come up with a treatment plan, which is kind of like our action plan in the financial space, a list of what we recommend doing. And then the quarterly check-ins that we have with clients, those are kind of like progress exams in the GP world. How are things going since the last checkup? Yeah, I love that. That's a really good, I think, frame to tie those together. And yeah, using analogies and stuff from casework, from being in a clinic or a hospital setting and relating that to something that, oh, this makes a ton of sense when it's explained that way versus using jargon that can sometimes be confusing because the same way that if you start spewing out all this medical stuff to me, I'm like, I don't know, Meredith, like, can you keep it really basic? Cause like, that's what I need. And it can feel the same way where what, you know, something that I've found is there's a lot of veterans obviously very intelligent and they're like, that's too much. Like, can we come back to something that's more basic? And I think anyone, regardless of who they work with, regardless of thinking about anything financial related, they should be able to ask those questions and say, hey, can we step back and understand like kind of the why of like how all these pieces come together? And I love how that's, you know, part of the financial planning process from that standpoint. Yeah. So one of the cool things that I know you've worked on for a while and recently completed is the certified student loan planner designation. And I wanted to kind of have you highlight, because again, going right now, we have student loans are paused. So a lot of people are thinking, hey, I don't have to worry about this yet. I'll 
kick it down the road. It'll be something in the future, which is fine. And I've been a very strong advocate of like, hey, don't worry about paying those down. It seems like it should be responsible. But the thing you need to do is, hey, get assets, acquire those things. And there's been plenty of conversations about that. But what I wanted to kind of have you share is when does someone have loans or a situation that is maybe a little bit more complex for their situation that they maybe need to sit down and say, hey, I need to actually dig into my student loans and have a better plan around this other than just, hey, I'm going to go for forgiveness or, hey, I'm going to get aggressive and pay it down. Yeah, absolutely. And so going through the certified student loan professional coursework, I knew student debt was complicated, but then you find out it's even more complicated than you thought. (laughs) So there are a lot of nuances to it. And it can be a little bit like a medical case too, where actually a lot of cases are straightforward, but then you have kind of the equivalent of the complicated internal medicine case where if you miss the smallest detail, you could end up going completely down the wrong track. And so things that make student debt more complex. And so if you can answer yes to any of these, then it's even more imperative that you talk to someone about your student loans. So if you and your spouse or your future spouse have student debt, that's going to make it more complicated. If you have any loans that have not been on pause since COVID started, definitely something to look into. If you live in a community property state, so there are several of those, the most populated ones are California and Texas. But if you live in a community property state, especially if you're married, you could make some tweaks to your student loans that could cause your student debt payment to be much, much lower than if you don't really look into it carefully. If you have any private student loans that makes it more complicated, anybody with parent plus loans, that's automatically more complicated. And so yeses to any of those, definitely you'd want to meet with a student loan consultant or a financial planner who is familiar with student debt because not all of them are. But even if you don't fit into any of those categories, I think it's 100% worthwhile to talk with an expert about your student loans and your repayment strategy so that you'll have peace of mind that you're actually on the right plan. Yeah. And I think so many different times people will look at it as everything is very module. Like I'm going to worry about this and I'm going to worry about this and I'm going to worry about this. And they're like different pieces. And so much of that is intertwined where it's like the decision you make over here does actually impact this other piece. And I think student loans is a perfect example for that, where there are a lot of different things that can impact. Because at the end of the day, you want to understand going back to what are the goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And if you have a idea on what you want your career to look like, there might be very different decisions that you want to make based on what you're trying to accomplish and solve for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. So what do you think from an advisor perspective that you've seen in the past? Because one of the things with the Veterinary Financial Summit and just being involved with the debt-free Facebook group, you see a lot of questions around financial advisors. And so you have a different take, right? You're not coming from that world you're coming from it as a, hey, I'm a veterinarian that I have this passion and interest. What do you think most advisors miss when it comes to financial planning for veterinarians? Or what do you think you've heard from your peers where they have a sense of maybe frustration? Yeah. So a couple of things there. For vets who have student debt, I think a lot of advisors overlook how much of a weight it is on veterinarians psychologically. And I think a lot of advisors, they they don't account for how much mental space it takes up for a lot of veterinarians when they're thinking about their finances. And unfortunately, their careers as well. I I always say that student debt doesn't have to affect your career decisions, but a lot of vets don't realize that. And 
a financial advisor shouldn't just look at student debt as a simple math problem to solve. It's really important to walk veterinarians through a process and show them what their options are so that they can make informed decisions about their repayment strategy and actually get all of their questions answered and make sure that they're comfortable with the plan. Another thing for veterinarians in general, one of my pet peeves when I talk to advisors is when advisors use the term these veterinarians as if we're all the same, when in some ways we're one of the most diverse professions out there. The advice that you give to a new grad equine vet is going to be really different from the advice you give to a seasoned small animal practice owner. And the financial plan you set up for an industry vet might be vastly different from the plan that you set up for a relief vet. And then if you throw spouses into the mix and if you throw family planning into the mix, then that's even more variables. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Yeah, I would say guilty is charged on sometimes the student loan stuff. And I know we've chatted back and forth on that offline many, many times about just the decisions and it's not a math problem and it is a weight that's there. So I know in the past for me, I try to make it, it's either black or white and there is going to be some gray in those student loan decisions. And so I think that's a great point. And then, yeah, what <laughs> these veterinarians, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how to address that one, but. <laughs> You're right. And I've said that before, just being able to go see clients in their environment. I always like to do that if I'm in an area where I can swing by or go in and see them work. I have a scheduled ride along with one of the equine vets that I work with that I'm going to do hopefully in the spring when it's a little nicer versus being in the winter. But like, I want to be able to experience what a day looks like. What is it? What does it look like? But the amount of things that are seen and done and having to diagnose across all these different species, I'm like, this is incredible, right? You're doing all this stuff. It is really, yeah, just the diversity of knowledge and the amount of knowledge that is needed is is wild. And I know I've said that many times this podcast, but it still kind of blows me away, the amount of information that needs to happen, where in human health, it is very specialized for the most part on this thing, and that's it. And then you put all that and you're like, oh, you're a veterinarian, and that's all those things. So it's wild. Is there any area of personal finance you've changed your mind over the last number of years? So, you know, talking about being kind of a nerd, into personal finance and really digging in? Is there anything that you've learned and maybe changed or something that you've, you know, flipped back and forth on? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. And so looking back over the last several years, and I'm going to come back to student debt, actually. So I took a financial coaching course back in 2016. And that was a couple of years after I paid off my student debt. And even when I first started the Debt Free Vets group back then, back in 2016, I didn't realize at first how many of my colleagues had or were going to have a debt to income ratio of greater than two to one because I wasn't in that situation myself. And I had to come to terms myself with the fact that the game had changed, it just wasn't going to be feasible for everybody to pay off their student debt in a short time frame like I did. And I learned a lot more about 
how the interest rates had changed, how mine were 3%. And now there are graduates out there who have six, seven, eight percent as their interest rate and even on average interest rate, some of them. And the lack of interest subsidies now during vet school compared to what I experienced when I was in vet school, the tuition rates going up sometimes 20 per, up to 20% a year. And so I realized pretty quickly that student debt had become a much more complex problem in vet med and that there wasn't going to be a one size fits all solution to it. Yep. Makes sense. You've done some talks like you talked about at various different conferences and we'll continue to do that, which is I've enjoyed the ones that I've been able to do. But when you look at CE and veterinary medicine, do you think there's going to be a tilt more to financial education? I think we're both biased in thinking that it should be more, but you know, tell me a little bit of your thoughts around CE and what that looks like. Sure. There's definitely a place for more financial education at all levels. So including starting in vet school and then in the larger veterinary conferences and then also niche conferences like the Vet Financial Summit. It's funny because I, I don't know if I've ever, ever told you this story before, Isaiah, but my first speaking engagement, my first major speaking engagement, I went on my Facebook group and I actually wrote a post about how AVMA didn't have any financial lectures that year. And I got this PM from a conference coordinator who was in the group. And she was like, hey, do you want to speak at AVMA next year? And so that's actually how I got my first big speaking engagement. And I certainly would like to see financial education continue to become more prominent moving forward because financial concerns They've certainly been shown in the Merck Wellbeing Study and elsewhere to impact wellness in the profession. So there's no reason why it shouldn't be more of a part of our continuing education as well. And what I always tell vets is no matter how you do it, whether it's conferences and CE or whether it's elsewhere, there are just so many resources out there to learn about personal finance and practice finance whether it's a podcast like this one, whether it's conferences, personal finance books, Facebook groups, whatever method of learning or consuming information works well for you, you should just make finance as a part of that. Do you have a favorite personal finance book that you would recommend or a couple? I actually really like Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You to Be Rich because I think it covers a little bit of everything. And I like his philosophy around spending more on the things you love and less on the things you don't and kind of focusing your finances and prioritizing them that way. That's actually a perfect answer for the next question I wanted to get into is because he had, is a tweet. It's been back, I don't know, three or four months is very anti Bitcoin. And so I had replied or retweeted it somehow and it had it got engagement, I guess not huge. Like I got, again, he has a massive Twitter following. But then it got put into an article that I'd written for Coindesk around Bitcoin and just that whole piece because he is definitely not a fan. And I think there are a lot of what I would consider scammers or grifters in the crypto space more so than the Bitcoin space. But a lot of times it gets kind of all combined into one. Again, one of my pet peeves and one of the things I've tried to do in this podcast is explain, hey, those are not the same thing and really, really tried to explain that. But again, they are very different. He definitely doesn't see it that way. but. I would agree. And I've heard a lot of good things about his book. I've actually never read it. So I probably should at some point just to check it out. 
I think he had another book that just came out more recently too, a second one that was well-received. But anyways, my question after all that rambling is I've asked every single person that has some sort of financial background on this podcast, like what are their thoughts about Bitcoin? And I do this for all advisors. And I know that you're a little bit unique in the regard that you're not coming from the traditional financial world, which is a good thing. Again, I'll note that. That's definitely a good thing. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin? What questions do you have, I guess, would be the maybe the other way to frame that. <laughs> oh, what questions I have about Bitcoin. Oh, we could take up a whole podcast with that, Isaiah. As far as Bitcoin goes, at this point, I'm still going through a learning process myself. So far, my thoughts are that it can be another tool in the toolbox for people who have already taken some steps to optimize their finances and I think it's really important for people to educate themselves on it thoroughly before they make a decision about investing in it one way or another. And also, as you said, also educate themselves about the differences between Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general and not just lump them all together. And really, you may ask me this question in a year or two again and get a totally different answer, but those are my thoughts for now. Sure. And it's so early. And the reason that I always ask people is just because I look at financial advisors in general, I feel struggle with the idea of understanding, because I didn't until call it 2020, 2021, really well, like what is money? And I think when you go kind of down that Bitcoin discussion, rabbit hole learning, it opens your eyes to a certain amount of things that definitely are different. So we'll leave it at that. And maybe what we should do is have a conversation where we just record it and it's just bring your questions bitcoin style it's just ama <laughs> that could be fun to see how it goes but i've also thought about it's no secret to anyone on the show that listens that i'm very pro bitcoin i think it fits for a lot of different reasons i have tried and to get someone that will come on that's very anti that will actually intellectually like do it and let it be done i don't want to try to embarrass someone but it's like i just want them to come and ask their questions and get them answer. But I think financial advisors in general are usually very skeptical, which is fine, but they have a huge opportunity and also a huge obligation, I think, for the people that they work with to be better about the explanation of what it is and why they either believe or don't believe that it plays a role. So yeah, in a year, it'll be very different, I'm sure. What else, Meredith, is top of mind on your heart? Anything you want to chat through? Soapbox topic? Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about this a little bit, and I think we're seeing this cultural shift in the profession where previously I think many of us felt inadequate if we didn't see every case or if we didn't try to please everyone. And I'm seeing this movement toward veterinarians realizing that they're doing great work and that and they're valuing themselves more on a personal level, and they're no longer feeling inadequate if they set boundaries or if they say, hey, I can't see every case or if they don't try to cater to clients who aren't a good fit for their practice. And I think a lot of us are in the process of redefining what our careers mean to us and starting to lean more into our passions and strengths, whether it's in the clinic or in practice management, practice ownership, or in a non-clinical role. And while finances certainly, they've never been the biggest driver for the vast majority of veterinarians, they're still an important component of our lives and they're factored into decisions we make about our careers and 
in our practices as well. And I think the three of us, Isaiah with Brian as well, included with our collective experience working with veterinarians and Ryan and I having worked as GP and ER clinicians, I think we're in a great position to help vets with their financial decisions as they navigate all of these transitions in the profession in general. And I think having these conversations can help to set people up to have a lot of options and flexibility moving forward. Yeah, I love that. Have I let you on other recordings ask me a question? I don't know if I've given that because it's been for other guests, but if I haven't, feel free to fire any questions away. I know we've talked obviously a lot more with your new role, but any questions for me, whether it's anything related to today's conversation or anything else? Yeah, we haven't actually done this before. Okay. I, uh, I was like, I don't know if we have, and I should have looked at the previous episodes. So perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I thought you might ask me this. And so I thought, well, I can ask something personal or I can ask something really general. And so I decided to ask something general this time. So here we are at the beginning of 2023. What is your best financial advice for veterinarians as we start the new year? Good question. And I know people hate that it depends, but I'm going to use that as my blanket answer initially. And then I'm going to say, I think 2023 is going to be a difficult year just in general. I think the economy is going to be challenging. I think there's just going to be a lot of other just life, political, weird stuff that happens similar to like how 2022 was just kind of hard and weird. So I, I think my encouragement from a financial perspective would be get to a point where you can be sustainable in the lifestyle that you have come hell or high water. So, hey, have that kind of buffer. Give yourself optionality as the, the year goes on. The idea of, oh, I'm going to buy the dip because the stock market's down 20%. The stock market go down another 20%. Like, are you still going to continue to buy? Like, those things happen. And so, like, just give yourself, I think, the ability, if in one word would be, to be adaptable and allow the year to kind of come to you. And then focus on what you can control, which is, hey, life's not getting cheaper. How are you getting paid? And can you go and find a way to ask for more or negotiate something different or take more time off? Like, figure out the key things there. But I think it's going to be being adaptable. It's going to be the biggest thing. So holding a little extra cash, not the worst thing in the, the world this year, I guess, would be the other thing. All right. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's the most positive, uplifting message, but well, I think when this comes out, I may have already done kind of a 2022 and 2023 wrap up. Maybe you've already heard that. If you haven't, then it'll be out soon. For those that want to connect with you. So first and foremost, where do they find you? I am going to put a Calendly link for an intro call in the show notes. So that'll be easy for anyone that wants to book. But you know, where would you send people to connect or chat with you? Sure, absolutely. So feel free to contact me via email. Meredith, so M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H at FinsierWealth.com. And you can also find me on social media with the Veterinary Financial Summit. And you can also go to VetFinancialSummit.com and sign up for our email list and we'll keep you updated on when the next summit is. Perfect. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Meredith. And yeah, excited that we finally, finally, finally get to work together. Absolutely. Excited to work with you. All right. So there are a lot of 
new job postings. I'm going to read through these again. Please let me know if you reach out, connect with anyone, and this becomes a full-time or part-time opportunity for anybody. So the first one is a Central Indiana private practice equine or companion health practitioner, Janison Veterinary Clinic. So JVC is a six-doctor, team-oriented, AHA accredited hospital with a focus on progressive veterinary medicine, quality patient care, and excellent client relations. Four-day work week with rotating Saturdays, dedicated assistant or licensed veterinary technician, Compensation is a base and bonus structure. Lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Minutes away from the beach. Who doesn't love that? No weekends, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. No on-call or emergencies. Currently a two-and-a-half doctor, non-corporate, small animal practice. Uh, lots of growth in that area. Associate position, happy to offer mentorship for new grads. ProSal with lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Newport Veterinary Hospital, Newport, Vermont, growing, thriving, rural, small animal practice with a touch of daytime urgent care on the Vermont-Quebec border, seeking the right veterinarian to enjoy the team, full-time preferred, but part-time considered as well, privately owned, value the staff and doctors equally with clients and patients, core values are integrity, motivation, empowerment, cleanliness, education, and compassion. If you love the outdoors, Vermont's hard to beat, list a ton of stuff for you to do there, and on compensation. Basically, it's bottom line. You can write your own ticket within the boundaries of production. The goal is the forward-thinking owner is reasonable, would love to chat and build something that fits for you. And so there are open discussions there on that front. Associate veterinarian, part-time or full-time, Fulton County Veterinary Clinic in Indiana. Are you looking for an oasis in the chaos? Do you want to be valued for your individuality and ingenuity? They offer and strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care, utilize support staff effectively so that the doctor is available to do more medicine and less time doing paperwork. No emergency on call, no after hours, no weekend work will ever be required. Um, flexible scheduling, competitive salary between 100 and 150,000. Signing bonus benefits, uh, too many to include, but one interesting one there as well is a mental health sabbatical. So those are all the offerings. I'm sure there'll be more at some point. I'm going to have to say, I can't read all of them, but uh, if you have one, keep them coming. And I hope that is helpful.